All right, welcome back, everyone, to the How Did I Get Here podcast. Um, so for those that don't know, uh, not only am I a local pastor, but uh, I've been pastoring in a number of specific areas for a number of years now. And one of those areas is college students. I've been a pastor to college students for about 11 years. And there are some very interesting things you learn along the way being a pastor to college students. So today, I want to give you my short list of things that these are the things that I've learned. This is what I've learned pastoring college students. Today, I have with me uh, Sean Lally. So Sean, what's up? What's going on? Sean is a friend, a golf buddy, a mentee, and in some ways a mentor. He may not know that. Um, but Sean, I've also had the privilege of pastoring Sean for a short period of time. So some of these things um, fits right into Sean's wheelhouse, and that's why I have him on here today. So let's dive right into this. So here's the list of things that I've learned pastoring college students. Number one, college students wished that their parents had more conversations with them about everything. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, it's 100% true. It's an interesting dynamic too. Well, we talked about it a little bit before this one. We'll dive into it. So when I first started pastoring, I really thought that college students only wanted to know like about a handful of things. And by a handful of things, I mean one thing, which is relationships and or something sexually related. <laughs> and you can't really blame them. You know, that's that's kind of the, the space they live in and that's the tension and the pressure that they feel. But as I started um, pastoring college students, I realized that they wanted to know a lot of things. And by a lot of things, I mean almost everything. And I was really surprised at how often they would, in some way, shape, or form, say to me, I kind of wish my parents had talked to me about this. I kind of wish my mom had talked to me about this. I wish my dad had sat down and talked to me about this. And I'm talking about everything from the Trinity all the way to uh, how to open a savings account. Mm -hmm. Everything from does the stock market really matter? Should I really pay attention to what this politician is saying to me? And this is what this type of doctrine means. Everything in between. I mean, race relations, things on the local government, on food, on sex, on clothing, on culture, on music. I'm just shocked that when it comes down to it, they wished that their parents talked to them about it. What do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic when you get out of your uh, adolescent age and you get into your teen years, it seems like you lose your curiosity. And that's probably a lot because your parents want you to fall in line with what, what I guess their expectations are. And then you get into your late teens into college and you're on your own and you start to see the way other people live. And I think for us, especially at Liberty, where we saw people coming from a bunch of different cultures, you really saw people dive into the curiosity of it. And the curiosity comes back and they want to know so much. Yeah, absolutely. I think, too, <clears throat> there's a misconception that parents think we just teach our children and just enough to get them to 18 years old and then we cut them loose. When through what I've learned, actually, I think the parental involvement, even if it's just conversationally, needs to actually intensify when they become 18, not mm -hmm. not loosen. Like, I, I think if parents can do all of like what I call the household managerial things, feed them, clothe them, educate them. But as they get older, deepen and widen the things they talk about. 
So that's the first thing that I would say that I've learned pastoring college students. Number two, connecting with college students is way more way more important than impressing them. I've learned that if we if if I connect with them as opposed to trying to impress them, that relationship is is far greater. Uh, Sean, you know this. Walking off of a college campus, there's a lot of things that you feel like as a as a new college graduate, or maybe even halfway through your college career, you're like, I'm confident about this. I want to learn this. And then you walk into a place and really what you want is you want to connect. You want to connect with someone. You want to learn from someone. You want to learn with someone. And it's a huge turnoff when you meet someone and all they want to do is spend their time impressing you. Mm-hmm. It's not interesting at all. So, I mean, any any kind of, do you have any kind of memory of what that was like being in a situation where you're like, you know what? I I feel more connected to this person because they're trying to connect with me as opposed to trying to impress me. Yeah. I think well of my role as uh as intramural basketball supervisor, I looked at, I was supposed to look different. So they gave us like nice polos to wear, which I still wear to this day, unashamedly <laughs> nice Nike dry fit gear, but we looked different. And so a lot of the guys in the league would try and come up and connect and they would try and talk and whatever and whatnot. Um, a lot of them would try to tell you how good they were in high school. A lot of them. And uh, we would call those people, my friends and I would call those people liars because uh, they obviously weren't that good if they were playing intramural basketball. But anyway, some of them that were cool were just guys that were just, I'm not here to impress you. I'm just kind of trying to connect with you here a little bit and see what's going on with your life as a supervisor. And so those people were really, really cool. The people that you saw either in class or around campus and and you start to recognize, oh, you know, I've seen you around. Tell me a little bit about you. Like, what do you have going on? How did you get to this point? And what are you trying to do when you get out of here? Yeah, I mean, I've learned to that, you know, even as a pastor, you obviously you have Bible knowledge and you want to be gaining in understanding and in knowledge. And I know college students or college age students, they know that. And it's I've recognized that it's just a turnoff if you try to impress them with what you know or what you've done or where you've been, as opposed to saying, hey, you know what? You and I are pretty similar. I have the same struggles that you do. I think the way you do. I feel the way you do. So connecting with them relationally uh, on a common ground, I've found is way more important than impressing them. And then the other thing, too, is, you know, you have to earn the right to pastor people. You know, yes, the the position that I hold in a lot of ways has built in respect. And yes, there's a lot of times when past uh, people give pastors um, give them their attention or allow them to pastor them because of the position. But that's about as far as you get. It's just like an entry level. Like I, because you have this position, I'm gonna give you this entry level bit of allowing you, <clears throat> allowing to be pastored by you. But I think when you connect to people, you you're basically putting yourself in a position to allow allow them to be pastored by you. So that's the thing that I've learned. Number three, uh, the fight against apathy is the biggest struggle that college students, college age people have. Yeah, they finally have freedom. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. And most kids, most of us <clears throat> left, left at our own freedom will choose to do nothing. It's <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, just especially in college. You're in your dorm room. It's not. It's nothing special. There's nowhere really to go on campus except the library or the gym. You're probably gonna hang out and watch Netflix in your room. Yeah, and obviously, that didn't even exist when I was a college student. Oh, it didn't. No, that did oh. not exist. But I remember as a freshman. This is such a vivid memory. I remember 
walking back to my dorm room. My roommate was already there. We literally sat in the room looking at each other, deciding what we were going to do. <laughs> and it was this combination of there were so many things to do, but we've also spent so much of our lives being told what to do. So we didn't want to do anything. So we got overwhelmed when we look at how many things there were to do, which looking back at it wasn't even that much things. Way more things. College students have way more options now than when I was there. And then we look at, well, we've been told what to do all this time, so I'm not going to do anything. So I'm not kidding. For, I'm going to say, 70% of my freshman, not even year, first semester, my roommate and I went to class and ordered Chinese food and did nothing. <laughs> That's it. That's literally what we did. We didn't, we, I did the bare minimum in reference to homework. We didn't work out. We didn't hang out with anybody. We didn't, some days we didn't even watch movies. We literally ordered the largest amount of Chinese food that we could afford and ate it and sat there. So I've learned over time that college students, they just have a fighting against apathy. And like you said, they, they just default to nothingness. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a victim of that quite a bit. Why do you think that is for 20 somethings? Just real quick off the top of your head. Why do 20 somethings struggle with defaulting to nothingness? I think most 20-somethings, never, at least the college students, haven't had the opportunity or haven't been in a position of failure where our parents know, if I don't do this, this is going to be really bad for a lot of people. Where 20-somethings say, if I don't do this, I can fall back on my parents or I can, I can go back to whatever this is. And they've never really experienced failing. And I think once you experience failing as a college student, which most college students fail something, yes. one class or a, or a part-time job or a relationship, you need a little bit of that failure to help you recognize this is reality. You can fail and it's not nearly as enjoyable if you fail at the opportunity you've been given. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Next. <clears throat> Teaching the Bible using gimmicks annoys them. So... Uh, you and I kind of discussed this a little bit beforehand. Um, and I think you, you had a question. What was the, do you remember what you, what you said? Do you think that this is part of growing as, as a human being, growing, developing your brain and growing into adulthood? Do you think it's growing out of that youth group mentality where you need gimmicks to be taught into adulthood where you're learning at a different level and you're comprehending and consuming information at a different level. Yeah, and I, I, I think so. I think that there is, you know, I think I use the example of being a parent and, you know, using a spoon and to, to fly vegetables into your yeah. into your kid's mouth. You know, you, you try to get them to understand that this thing is important, so I'm going to, you know, play a game to get it in, you know. And I think, like you said, I think it is a developmental thing. I think part of it is as they get older, as we get older, we realize that, just just tell me what it is. Just teach me what it is. The other part of it, too, is I think as 20-somethings come to a better knowledge of who, a better knowledge of what a working relationship with God looks like, it isn't gimmicky. It isn't just um, I learned four verses and I got a prize. Yeah. Like, it isn't just, well, because I showed up to more youth group events than not, then I was able to go on the mission trip. I'm not saying that those things are bad, mm -mm. but I think as they get older, you realize it's more than that. It's more than just that. So I've learned that I think when I first started teaching college students, my temptation was to, to, to find something that they, that, that'll, that'll hook them, that'll get them here. And then when I realized that 
when I was just straight up with them, like, this is what's in the Bible. This is why it's here. This is where it is. This is what it says. This is what God means. This is why this is important. And there's no gimmicks. I've learned that they respond well to that. They don't, they don't want the gimmicks. They don't want, they don't want that. They don't want all the smoke and lights. They don't, they don't need all of it. Yeah. It's good to have fun. There's like, we're not taking fun out of this. We're not taking activities and whatnot out of it. But when it comes to actual authentic life experience and what am I going to do moving forward? How do I make a decision? Uh, They don't want gimmicks. Uh, It's amazing how things become a little bit more black and white when you get into college age. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads us to the fourth one. Actually, I don't know why I say fourth. I'm not counting. One, two, three, four. Number five. (laughs) The fifth one. The uh, college students, they are comfortable with being called out. So, have you ever been called out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. few times. I think we had... I had a pretty good group. This It was an interesting dynamic as some friends and I from West Hill... From our, or at least just from the area, went down to Liberty. We had a good core group of dudes who genuinely just wanted to grow in Christ. And then we had dudes like you, Sefco, Brenner. Um, I guess Cody ended up later, but not immediately for, for me or Al, but eventually. And um, I'm forgetting someone for sure. Uh, but, uh, uh, well, Shani's in the group, although I didn't know Shani super well uh, at that point. But you guys called us out in a good way, in a mentoring way. And then it kind of showed us too as well as you guys showed us and shaped us that we should call each other out as friends mm-hmm. in a loving, in an exhorting way. Yeah, I mean, and you may not have realized it, or maybe you did, Like, but even just using that example you just gave, that's a biblical model. Like the Bible says younger men, you know, older men teach the younger men. Older women teach the younger women. I think sometimes subconsciously we think you have to be old and gray to teach somebody something, and that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've learned that, you know, similar to what we talked about not using gimmicks and just teaching the Bible straight up. Also, 20-somethings college-age students, as they learn more about the world and they learn more about themselves and about what it's like to have a relationship with Christ, they're okay. They're comfortable being called out. They're comfortable with you as a leader because you've connected with them, mm-hmm. because you've built a relationship, because you've been straightforward. I've learned, pa- pastoring college students, that... You can call them out and they're, they're pretty okay with it. You can say, you can look them in the face and say, this is sinful. You can look them in the face and say, this is a bad idea. This is, a, this is an unwise decision. Your behavior is completely out of line. I've had to look a college student in the face and say, packed, they're packed and ready to go. And said, I'm not taking you on this trip. And here's the reason why. And yes, they stormed off. Yes, they hopped in their car. Yes, they sped away. But you know what? A year and a half later, came back and said, you know what? I'm glad you didn't let me go. I'm glad that you had enough courage to say, I'm not taking you. I'm glad you had enough courage to ask me, are you sleeping with your girlfriend? And obviously, Sean knows this. I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not the pastor that's going to beat around the bush or try to find some clever way. I'm going to straight up ask you. I'm going to call you out. Hey, that attitude that I saw, that's, that's out of line. Or what I heard you say is completely off. And what I've learned is, yes, there are some people who throw their arms up and get frustrated with the church and get frustrated with pastors and they leave and they quote, never come back. But you know what? In my 11 ish years of doing this, almost all, not everyone, almost all of the students that I've called out in a biblical way have said at some point, you know what? I'm glad that you had the courage to ask me now to call me out, to say the hard thing, to, to be firm with me. And 
So I've learned that. I've learned that. And that's now the model that I use that, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect at it. I could think of two, two examples off the top of my head where I was completely out of line in my calling out of a college student. And I had to go back and apologize and make it right. So I'm not perfect at that, but I've learned that they're, they're okay with it. At the end of it, they're perfectly okay with being called out. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. And I think there's a proper way to do it where you're actually making sure that other person knows that this isn't the end of your life, uh, more than likely. This isn't going to end your life, but I'm here to do this and I, because I love you. Because I want to do this in a loving way. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, it kind of goes, you know, these kind of connect to each other. Um, and then the last thing that I've learned pastoring college students is they eat everything. <laughs> um, I'm very thankful that at our church here, we, you know, I have an operational budget to do ministry. And one of those things is I got to feed them. You know, I remember when I first came here and I was into a trustee meeting and they were like, why do you need X amount of money in this category? And I was like, well, we have 76 college students and uh, I can't have any event, any gathering without feeding them mm -hmm. because they're all broke and mm -hmm. they're all poor and they're all trying to figure this thing out. And you know what? Nothing says we connect with you than a home-cooked meal. Mm -hmm. um, and we've done, I mean, I have built whole teaching series centered around sharing a meal together. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's it's important. Yeah, no, I, think. I can think of the Monday Night Hangouts that kind of organically started when Sefco was here as a, in, in your role. We just went over to Mike and Connie's on Mondays and would have a meal and it turned it turned in from what the girls watching the bachelorette to us having a meal together to all the guys hanging out outside shooting hoops starting a fire to how many years did that monday night thing go yeah it's still kind it's, of going in a way now, it's not yeah. the same as it used to yeah. be obviously those yeah, things change but it was all kind of centered around a meal all right what are we eating this week mm -hmm. all right how like how many people are going what are we going to do and it was all around food yeah and what Sean's referencing is you know the previous pastor that was here before me put that in place about once a week during one night a week during the summer with another set of leaders that was leading with college students, you know, we would go to their, go to their home and share a meal. Um, and those meals open up conversations. They allow you to connect. Uh, and, but you know, on a lighter, funnier side, one of the things that we always stressed about was what to make, you know, what are we going to cook for the college students this week? What are we going to make? And it didn't take me very long to realize that it didn't matter what you made. It was going to be consumed. As long as it's not the same thing every week. Like, have a little bit of creativity, but it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just create something decently tasty and you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't. It really, Sean's right. It actually doesn't matter exactly what it is. As long as there's a little bit of variation, it will be consumed. Um, I have a picture um, in my phone of one of the first times... Myself, my wife, um, both Josh and Ashley Liner, who mm -hmm. were members of our church and they were college leaders at the time, we went to Sam's Club to shop for an event and my Jeep Grand Cherokee was packed in the back, <laughs> packed in the back. So we had to take another car just to transport the people to do the shopping and they were like, this is too much food. There's no way we're going to use all of this. And then after our event, I think we had like a half bag of chips left. <laughs> and so, so it's just... <laughs> It's just those. It's just you know, obviously on a on a more comical side. Like I've just learned that they they eat everything, yeah. and I don't stress out about what I'm going to feed them anymore because I there's there's a few things that they they won't eat. So those are the things. Anything else to add 
even maybe from your side, like some things that you may have noticed being a college student or even now that you are mentoring, like you're in a position of, of mentoring people in that age bracket um, that you may say, this is what I've noticed. I think I, maybe we've kind of already hit on it in some ways we have, I'm sure, but college students are just really eager to learn. I don't think I've met a ton. You will meet them for sure, college students that think they know everything. But even the ones who think they know everything, if you if you give them the right information, they're willing and they're open to having dialogue and they want to learn and grow. I think that's the cool thing I've learned about some of the college students that even right now I'm mentoring. They want to know more. They're curious. They want to keep learning. You don't find that in high school kids. No. And it's hard to find that in people in their early, uh, I guess I don't know that many people in their early 30s, but I guess late 20s, early 30s maybe. I don't know if you still find that a whole lot. People are kind of set in their ways. They're, they're getting set in their ways. Yes, yeah, it's starting to happen. Yeah. So maybe it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's later than the late 20s, early 30s. It's probably a little bit later than that, yeah. that crowd. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, hopefully you have a little bit of context into uh, just what it's like pastoring this age group. Uh, I, I want to leave you with a, a little bit of encouragement. You know, if you're a parent and you heard this today, just think about that. Like your, your child wants to know that you're willing to talk to them literally about everything. Um, if you are maybe working in full-time ministry or thinking about full-time ministry or just working with people in general, spend more time connecting with them as opposed to trying to impress them or teach them how much you or show them how much you know. Um, apathy is, is a killer to almost everything, so fight it. Uh, the Bible is pretty straight up and it's pretty clear. It doesn't need a whole lot of gimmicks and just it's, it is what it is and to share it and model it um, be comfortable calling people out who you have a relationship with for, for their own sake and for them to be better. And remember, uh, there's nothing like sharing a meal with someone to bring you closer together. Um, these are the things that I've learned call, uh, pastoring college students. This is the, how did I get here podcast? Thanks for being with us. Mm-hmm.